Welcome to A Slice of Orange, North Orange County Politics. I'm Jody Ballmer. Today, I'm talking with Scott Sanders, Deputy Public Defender for the County of Orange. We're talking about the scandals in the Sheriff's Office and the District Attorney's Office. And if you don't know anything about those scandals, we've got links in the show notes that you can read. You need to set aside some time and grab a cup of coffee because uh, our local media has done a great job in covering these stories. It goes back over a decade, um, a special shout out to the OC Weekly archives that survived the closure of one of my favorite papers that covered Orange County. Um, R. Scott Moxley and the team uh, at, at OC Weekly did an incredible job exposing some of these stories. Um, but Scott Sanders and the Public Defender's Office, uh, you'll learn a little bit about the traits most needed for those in the public defender's office. And what I appreciate most is that he remains hopeful that the changes to the legal system and the people doing the work um, are, are making progress. So um, the judges on the ballot, the district attorney on the ballot for June, uh, learn a little bit more about this legal system that we, the voters, have the incredible, incredible um, power and responsibility to um, choose who is elected to those offices. So let's get started. Board and get started. Welcome to A Slice of Orange with Scott Sanders, Deputy Public Defender. So thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So much of what I know and what the county knows about the corruption and scandals in Orange County District Attorney's Office, the Sheriff's Office, comes from what you've uncovered and what you continue to find and challenge with court cases. Um, so it's so important that you're doing what you're doing. And I wanted to thank you before we start anything else. Appreciate that very much. That's kind of you. So we're going to talk about that, but I want my students who are thinking about law school, listeners who want to know more about the Public Defender's Office, tell us a little bit about yourself and why the job of public defender is so important in our judicial system. Well, you know, as we can see here from what's going on, um, the, the judicial system, the criminal justice system is filled with flaws. It's not that it isn't the best in the world. It is. Um but it has many, many problems and there's many traps and difficulties. And it also relies very much on what human beings on the other side want to give you as evidence or not give you, how competitive they want to be, uh, how important winning is to them. And so then you think about the system and then you add in the fact that in the public defender's office, we're representing the indigent. So they're the most vulnerable, right? They're the most unlikely in most in in many contexts to get that type of representation that can push back on the power of the state so you know it's you know we're like doctors we've got people's lives in our hands not to make ourselves you know too self-important but it is it's going to be the most important person uh, moment in a person's life when they step into that criminal justice system and really whether it's a misdemeanor or the most serious felony for them that case is going to dictate whether it should or shouldn't, um, in many respects, the course of the next several years or maybe their life, depending on what you're litigating. But, you know, even if you end up with a misdemeanor petty theft, um, it sounds maybe small to people like me relatively to a murder, but it's not. I mean, it's you, you get that on your record. That's going to affect jobs. It's going to affect opportunities. It's going to be a stigma. Right, right. So. You know, really solid representation for poor people in this context is, you know, I think it's 
about as important work as yeah. you could have in the criminal justice system. And, and you know, anyone who's watched a cop show or procedural, or, you know, a film that, that, that mm-hmm. has crime, you know, has heard the Miranda rights. You have the right to an attorney, have him present during the interrogation. If you can't afford an attorney, one will be provided. And, and that really is, you know, where a lot of people's understanding of the public defender stops. Yeah, and it's really... I mean, that's really all that is, is the issue of, of, of whether statements are made, you know, in that interview before the right. defense lawyers even attach this to the case. And so that's really just a misunderstanding, whether you're rich or poor. Now, right. if, you, if, if you're wealthy, maybe you're more inclined not to speak or to ask to uh, hire your private lawyer to come in with you. But, but yeah, our work really starts in the vast majority of cases once the charges have been filed and we've been appointed. Right, right. So, you know, I, I, what, what you said, I think, is so important about playing by the rules, because our Constitution and our criminal justice system is predicated on the rules being followed. Um, but, but there's no guarantee of that until we actually enforce it. And you know, our Bill of Rights, these sacred amendments, 40% of them deal with the rights of accused criminals, the fourth, the fifth, sixth, the eighth. Um, and so, what happens to our justice system when prosecutors are the ones breaking the rules? You've discovered prosecutorial misconduct, jailhouse informants, violations of constitutional rights, falsifying evidence, a history of misconduct that we've seen in Orange County trials. So if you can speak a little bit about the consequences, about what happens when those when those violations are happening. So when they're happening and they're undetected, the trials aren't fair. Um, right. And the chances for wrongful conviction are, you know, grow to an exponential level. So if you don't play by the rules, what happens is a whole series of implications. Witnesses get believed that shouldn't. Jurors make decisions that are wrong. Um, DAs are allowed to present cases as being more powerful than they are. So, all you know, there's just an enormous series of risks. You know, courts are dealing with a uh, inaccurate presentation of what the evidence is when they're making decisions about, you know, all sorts of yeah. uh, rulings that come before them. But also just fundamentally, if you don't have the evidence that you're entitled to, if folks are tweaking that process, so to give themselves a better chance of winning, almost certainly the defendant has a better chance of losing um, right. when, he, when he or she shouldn't. Right, right. So how did you how did you come to public defender, the, the public defender's office? What were you interested in that in law school? Has this been a passion before then? Tell us a little bit about how you got to the Orange County Public Defender's Office. I was in law school at Emory University School of Law in Atlanta. Um, I I interned uh, or law clerked in the Fulton County Public Defender's Office, but that was but I was kind of I was really kind of moved into public interest just by family and interests and wanting to do something that would be helpful to society. So public, and then I liked the idea of litigating. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you can go legal aid or you might go public defender. There's other things in between. But in In that realm, if you also want to be in a courtroom and you want to be in there fighting and doing all of that stuff, you know, legal aid is incredibly important, of course, but it just fit my personality better. And so when I was around it, I knew it. So I came out here to California and I looked for public defender jobs and and luckily got one. And that's where I've been for almost 30 years. I'm in my 30th year right now um, in Orange County. 
And and so, as I said, you've uncovered a number of scandals. You know, I, I remember reading about you for a long time in the OC Weekly. R. Scott Moxley was doing a lot of investigation. You've taken cases to court to, to guarantee these constitutional rights and wrongdoing is exposed. And, and yet, I, you know, the, the sheriff who has all of these um, problems in, in the office is running unopposed. Why do you think so few people in our community seem to care? Wow. So, I mean, you know, some expression of that care was seen with the replacement of Mr. Rakakis. So we did see okay. that kind of big step. Um, you know, Orange County is a unique county. It's it's still a relatively conservative place. You know, we talk about it being purple, but it's, you know, a lot of the things that happened here, if they would have happened in other counties, would have created a much bigger uh, impetus for movement. I think it's just, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things that contribute now. It's just, you know, when our stuff comes out, it's in a media world where uh, increasingly, you know, the attention span on it, understandably, could be an hour to 24 hours. Right. See this with all the stories right now. So unless you're just focused in on criminal justice issues, and I think there is a little less of that in Orange County versus, you know, some of our other nearby counties and northern counties. It's just, you know, they're not, there are many people that are bothered by what happens, but not enough in some contexts to, to create outcries. You know, right. there's no, yeah, there's right. no question here that what has been uncovered would have led to full-scale protests. If this happened in New York City, what would it have been like? Right. And it would have looked very, very different. On the other hand, we also needed kind of a probably a whole series of circumstances to come together and maybe maybe we wouldn't have uncovered this in other places maybe the good point right yeah the lackadaisical feeling like you could always get away with it here mindset allowed for some errors to be made that we were able to you know catch so you know the truth is it's hard anywhere um to 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 create real big movement. We've had outside agencies. We still have a DOJ investigation open. So we're mm-hmm. going to see what happens with that one. I'm, you know, I still think we're, we have you know good reason to think something could happen there. They've been there. There's certainly good people in the DOJ. We'll see. I mean, it's getting, you know, it's been a few years now. And so we, you know, we're going to need some um, indication from them. We didn't get an indication from the California attorney general, even though they had an open investigation until by happenstance, I was litigating in another case, and they admitted that they had closed their investigation. So we've we've had some we've had some really tough moments in this. But the thing about it is, and this is kind of the public defender mentality, and I want to make it clear, you know, at any when you say, "Hey, you, you uncover this," but yeah, yes, but with lots of help, good people from our office, the encouragement of our oh, office, sure, yeah. absolutely. And and I think I think that that one of the things is you have been willing to be the face of it. You have been willing to, you know, talk about it and, 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 and file the lawsuits. And, and it clearly, you know, is, is bigger than one person and, and other people have to, to care. And, you know, I, I, I remember the um, public defender at the time, Frank Ospino, who recently passed, he, he was appointed to be a judge, but said, you know, I want to give the support and resources um, and and I remember thinking like, oh, I'm so glad we have a public defender who is supporting this. Yeah. So, and that's right. You have to have that, you know, a lot of that work also was built on law clerks. I mean, of course, incredibly, 
incredibly talented group of in a continuing stream of law clerks that were you know working because we were writing this stuff was so voluminous it was so big by working did so much editing and you know and drafting and all sorts of stuff so just just to you know get to that issue just to be clear but um yeah it's been a it's been interesting and you just gotta i think what works with the public defender mindset is we're unlike the other side we're more accustomed to lots of roadblocks, lots of impediments. So yes, we haven't gotten everything we wanted, but our perspective is going to be, let's just keep pushing and pushing and we'll see what happens. I mean, I definitely, my, my personal idea is you can't, you just can't, you don't want to stop. Yeah. As long as there's stuff to work to be done, because there is, we definitely see very much that if we turn, um, then everything can kind of recede back to normal very quickly. Right. It's, it sounds like two of the most important things that people need to think about if they want to be public defenders are, are patience and persistence. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, you're going to do some of your best work in cases you're going to lose. And, and that, that can be, that can be super frustrating and it can sure. be, yeah, it can really hurt. It's painful, especially when you care about the clients and we, and you want folks to care deeply about the clients and the service and how you present that's you know that's again back to the early point this is you know for many folks maybe the most yeah. important moment in their life and the quality of the representation can change the course of their life right so you know you got to stay motivated even when you're losing you got to find ways to stay motivated you got to stay ways to you know keep your confidence um strong so just because you took a blistering loss you can come back yeah. the next time and, you know but again right. that's, that is the public that's got to be the public defender mentality. And it's hard for all human beings, but you know, sure. certain people are drawn to that more than others. If you want to win all the time or the majority of the time, you're going to get that more likely in a prosecutor's office. Right. That's, right. Um, so it, this attracts a certain group of people. Yeah. It's really fun to work with because they're really, I really love, you know, one of the things that keeps you here this long is the people are really the great. People. Sure. Yeah, sure. Great. And I'm going to link to that cover story uh, so that people can read it, um, because one of, one of the things that you know we, we have to remember is that these cases take a long time, and so yeah. y- y- you have to kind of go back and review. But one of the quotes that you um, said in that article said, "I, I, the mentality inside the DA's office and sheriff's department haven't changed." And these are previous, you know, Sandra Hutchins was the the sheriff, and Tony Rakakis was the DA. But you said, I truly believe many of these officials are as comfortable cheating now as they ever have been. They just hate that we caught them. <laughs> and, and I thought that was so important because it is a situation where the wrongdoing continues until somebody says it's just not okay. And we're going yeah. to lose these cases as a result. Cases where there is evidence, cases where you don't have to cheat. And that evidence is going to be thrown out. So have you seen a change with the new sheriff, with the new DA? You know, sometimes the culture can take a long time to clean up. But I'm wondering your perspective. As we go um, to the ballot and, and, and elect these folks. Yeah, and obviously um, Sheriff Barnes is running unopposed. Right. Um, and um, Mr. Spitzer has, you know, several opponents. Um you know, there's, and I want to, I really kind of take the position. I don't want to get involved in, you know, no. 
candidate or, you know, supporting, um, you mean, you can see there's, there's certainly a lot of areas for improvement. You probably, you know, you could probably point to things here and there. Um, but I think there's a lot more work to be done and hopefully whoever wins is going to see that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, there's, I've, you know, I continue to have lots of concerns, which we've articulated in lots of filings. And so, um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there'll be movement. Um, but yeah. you know, again, it's always just going to, it, it's not like we're good and they're bad. I'm not, you know, that's not, no, true. no. You know, there's all gradations and everything sure. in that group, in, in, in those groups of um, employees, there's plenty of both all over the place, but you know, the history here says a lot more work needs to be done out there. And so yeah. that we can have a, you know, a trust in the system, because again, you, you know, the fundamental issue which we're up against all the time and which the informant scandal and the evidence booking scandal and the phone scandal all are about is, you know, it's a system where essentially we get the evidence they want us to give that it's not really built for us to just be able to get everything and know that we're getting everything. They're making these calls under the standard of Brady versus Maryland, which is kind of the seminal case on disclosure of evidence, which really gives them the power to make calls, to look at pieces of mm-hmm. evidence and go, well, I don't think they're entitled to it. Now, they shouldn't do that. There's just really right. no logical reason for doing it. Right. And I don't think a lot of times they're going through that analysis in real time. They do a lot of post um, sure. Conviction justification. I think sometimes it's in history has said it's just been concealed because it wasn't good. And it was obviously wasn't good. It wasn't like right. they were doing this thorough analysis like that. But, you know, if you look at things like the informant scandal and you look at the history going back to the 80s, you know, what's astonishing is the quantity of people who stood up to call it out that was, and, and so much of it would have been obvious to hundreds, if not thousands of people that there are right. problems. And the truth was the number is zero. Right. right. It's like, nobody said, Hey, this is not right. Um, we've got to kind of change this. And the only reason it ever changed was just because it got exposed and then it right. got changed and you still don't know. So did it get changed or just shifted into another way of doing things with you know, that's harder to discover. Yeah, that's harder to discover. Or, you know, yeah. you rename your 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 special handling unit to the custody intelligence unit. Well, that doesn't. I'm not sure what that does in terms right. of. You know, that doesn't for people like me certainly doesn't create any newfound faith that they're doing it right. Yeah. And 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 the article ended. You know, that said, if we want justice in Orange County, the fight better not stop for decades. And here we are years later and we're still fighting for, for this. Yeah. And I'm, in some respects, I'm glad because I think that is true. Like, I think and if you look at like the history of these scandals, I'll give you an example. You, you know, before we had this informant scandal, the largest in the country was the Los Angeles informant scandal, mm-hmm. which was in the late 80s. And it had a lot of the same issues and very big revelations. And, you know, there was a bigger reaction. I don't have a bigger reaction because we have all sorts of investigations here. But the but the grand jury arguably was closer to kind of getting it right. Ours, it just turned into a complete mess. It just was right. a complete mess. Uh, and, and I think part of it was because they were fooled by um, people who weren't honest when they sat down with them and, and I, you know, so it was partly their fault, and it was partly the fault of those who continued to mislead. 
But back in Los Angeles, you know, there was all these reforms and things that were talked about. And, you know, it's very hard in most contexts for people not to move on because, you know, if you're a public defender, you have a lot of other cases and most of them right. don't involve informants, for example. Most right. of them don't. Most of very few in my entire career up until this sure. issue included. So folks move. And do I think the stuff continued in LA? Oh, absolutely. I think right. it did. Like, even though they created a system for recording informants' actions and all of these things, in reality is there was no within within a year or two. So, you know, we've stayed on it now for almost a decade. Right. And that's just the way you got to do it. You got to yeah. stay on it probably yeah. for three decades. You got to I mean, you know, whether you can, again, that's a testament, I think, to our office that they have allowed someone like me and other people to work on this stuff and realize, you know, that's just got to be part of um, what we do here. And yeah. in many places you you can't or you don't, but you do have to, you just have to stay on it. Right. And, and so one of the reasons that, that this podcast and a lot of us are talking about this is because there's so many competitive judicial elections on the ballot, nine, which seems unheard of. Yeah. Well, this is a, you um, know, and each one has a candidate from the DA's office running. Well, and I, I would say I would, I'm going to predict that even with all of the stuff that's been talked about, it, you know, as you're probably following it even right now, I mean, the last few weeks that we've been in, yes. I've been involved in some issues with regard to judges and candidates. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, my prediction would be there we're going to win all the slots or, or all but one or two. I mean, I would, mm -hmm. the, the odds say they'll get all of those spots. Yeah. You, the ballot designation is so powerful. Yeah. And here, you know, again, and this is true in, you know, LA it has, you know, very similar power. So folks think, Oh, it's LA versus orange County. No, no, that, that ba ballot designation has big power all over the country. And right. here we've, you know, what we've seen historically is candidates who are even in, very heavily embroiled in the informant scandal with lots of, you know, not lots of, but a good amount of coverage really had no impact the last time around. They won by, you know, really large numbers. Right. Right. So it's hard to, it's hard to see that if it will be different, it would be very interesting, but I, and I get it because if you're a voter and you're dealing with all of the things that go on in life, are you studying are you right? Picked, you have a do you have a, an alert that gets you every time there's a judge's thing? No, it's just so easy to miss it, not understand right. it, or a billion other things in your life, or you got to pay for your mortgage or your rent. It's just too. Right. It's just so hard. It's just so hard to resonate unless it becomes like the dominating story. And of course, what's wild about Orange County? There's so many issues. You know, we, right? They've just been. I mean, this has been an incredibly active year of right. not all informant stuff, but other issues no, with no. these offices. And so are, are someone in there zoning in on that? And and candidly, you know, the the those who would um those who do and try to get that information out, it's still it's still smaller here in Orange County than it is in other places. And 
Yeah. Um, it's, it just is. So even though we have more to work, you have more to work with in Orange County, I just don't think that information goes out in the same way. Right. Right. And, and one of the cases that, that you're working on right now is with, with somebody who ran and, and was, you know, on the ballot and nobody challenged him, uh, Michael Murray, who was involved in, in these problems. And, and a quirk that I just learned about, I hadn't thought before is that, you know, the bar association, no longer can can issue anything because now he's a judge and whether or not the commission on judicial performance is going to sanction him or reprimand him i i don't know if that will have any impact well i think if they do it will have an impact because because now he's a sitting judge but the wrongdoing was when he was a lawyer yeah but they're gonna they're gonna i mean whatever they decide is kind of based upon that and so sure if they take if they take any significant action and i'm you know that's for them to take but i think my message will certainly be you can't you can't um avoid it because you become a judge and that's an important you know you want all you you want to in addition to whatever happens rightly to a particular person who's being investigated you want disincentives right or concealment you want folks to know just like that's part of, you know, the motivation beyond just helping clients is you want the motivation to be, hey, you know, at some point through a whole series of unusual coincidences, whatever you did in your past might be discovered. Right. right? You, right. Want, you want folks to have when they make that call and they're looking at that document, do I turn it over or not? Sure. That document, if it doesn't go there, will make it more um, likely, likely that I win. That I win. The defense doesn't see it, but the, the ramifications could could um, explode at any moment. And that's partly right. what, yeah, that's partly what these scandals help with. Those, those cases that have gotten turned around. I mean, it's just the, the reality. It's not like bragging. It's just the reality is those cases, but through the most unforeseen circumstances, you know, I and mean, there's more than 20 cases now affected that you, you just, you needed, you know, a, an informant scandal coming from a mass murder with you know, where you wouldn't have thought you'd ever have an informant. Right. You needed like ridiculous quantity of coincidences, me having a second right. capital case with an informant. But I think the other thing it does is it just reminds folks that we vastly underestimated the capability of deception and concealment. So right. we've got to just be, we've, we've got to keep our throughout our career on high alert. Right. And and I think that that's really important, that the, the concept of disincentive because I, I worry that, you know, if, if something doesn't happen, if there isn't a punishment, then the DAs that are involved with this wrongdoing will see the escape hatch is to become a judge. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's and, right. And then once, you know, one of the reasons I want to bring so much attention to these competitive races is because once a judge in Orange County is, you know, running for re-election, it's almost guaranteed, even when you have somebody challenge against Scott Steiner, um, you know, six years ago, it, it was a blowout election, even though the, or- the Orange County Bar had said he was not qualified, which was a huge act of bravery. Um, still, you know, the, 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 the incumbents have such a huge advantage. And so this is kind of the voters opportunity um, to really sway in. Yeah, you're right. I mean, once they're in. They don't. They're. It's all but guaranteed. They'll. They'll be there forever, unless mm-hmm. you know, unless something like 
what we're talking about right now occurs. But yeah, no, if once you win the first time, and you know, again, you have so many years that pass, and you know, folks can only remember so much. And right. we have expiration dates too. You know, the folks that are pushing it can't, you know, can't right. do it. And, and even when you do, as, as we've seen, even when it has happened, even when the stuff has been exposed. I mean, right. Well, I mean, you know, I use as an example in my classes, uh, you know, Ron Klein, who was, you know, accused of child pornography and, and the media talk radio went crazy and the media went crazy, but he was running unopposed. So, it, you know, it took writing candidates and still a huge number of people voted because they just didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Um, and Mark Kelly had a, a recall attempt against him and then nobody challenged him when he was up for reelection. So it really is a crucial, crucial, uh, you know, one chance for voters to truly weigh in. And so it's one of the reasons I'm so glad that, that but, you're pursuing it. Thanks. But I mean, let me just give you an example, though, like with Mark Kelly, for example, it was actually, you know, that was a that's like, that's a, like a wrong headed recall um, from my perspective. Like that's, hey, we don't like a ruling in a particular case. And and so those things can get confusing, too. I, you know, that my, from my personal perspective, that, that was that was that was an appropriate recall basis. I mean, it's appropriately. Oh, so my point is that yeah. there was enough attention at the time for a recall. But then where, where did those people go for a challenger? You know, if elections yeah. are a time for public discourse. One of the reasons I'm sad that that no one's challenging the sheriff is because we would have public discourse about it, although the mudslinging and the DA's race, perhaps we wouldn't have public discourse, but but we would have the opportunity to do that. And and so that's my concern yeah. when there we don't get that opportunity. And and I know I'm idealistic in what we can have in campaigns and, and elections, but to, to not have it at all means that we don't even see it on the ballot. Yeah. I mean, and unfortunately, this is a, this is a reflection of where the community is right now. And, yeah. you know, I, is it is it a, is it because of, you know, um, just the makeup of the community? Is it the other stressors that are out there? I don't know, because, you know, six years ago, it was a different environment and it, and it didn't do it. And um, but it did. I mean, again, I want to come back I mean, the caucus kind of took a stunning loss there. Yeah. Um, yes. And so it's all uh, it's all possible. Things can change. I mean, and we're not going to get everything we want here, but um, good, strong messages. You know, it, it's a little drip in the ocean, but drip, 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 drip. You just got to keep doing yeah. it and and, you know, just keep fighting it. And I do think it, it has incremental impact. Yeah. So beyond that, you know, clearly Google is going to give you some information about some of these judicial candidates, but but how, you know, besides lawyers and, and, and police who are in the courtroom all the time, how can voters get information about judicial candidates? Oh, you know, where can I, they go? I, mean, I have no idea. Yeah. I really don't know how you would make a distinction right now. I mean, I vote too. Um, and yeah. there's nothing, it's impossible. You cannot blame voters. I mean, you can either you know, you might have philosophies that in, you know, in Orange County, you should be much more hesitant to vote for prosecutors. That would be my philosophy. Um, so, but in terms of individual people and prosecutors, there's some prosecutors on the ballot might say, well, that's unfair. You're, 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 um, you're wiping us with all the same, you know, cloth. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that's, you, you've, 
if you haven't earned it, your you know your agency has over time, and so it's time for some other folks to be there. But in terms of individual assessments, it's impossible. There's just no way. And you, you just, I mean, I just have to say, there's a couple. You know, there's not even a paragraph of information unless you are a judge stalker and you were watching every hearing and you were kind of determining and you had a sense of what was a right or wrong ruling. So there's no way to do that. I mean, there's just isn't it. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, it's, it's complicated because, you know, obviously there's the, there's the bias towards elections. There's the bias towards choice. And yet when we have no information and there's out there, people aren't, aren't following it's just so difficult yeah it's the lowest of the low information elections yeah. no it's right it's exactly well stated that's exactly what it is it's it's just there's nothing there and there's no forums that are meaningful like they had a forum recently and they all just got up and talked about why if there was an accusation it wasn't true and there's not a meaningful debate back and forth in part because you know even on the other side even sometimes the opponents have such a little grasp of some of these complicated issues sure sure i mean they you know they're running against them they know they should or they feel they should but even they can't you know they can't engage in a meaningful debate and these and even these events aren't geared for that right right yeah and and i don't even know what a meaningful event would be you know there's it, it it's supposed to be nonpartisan and objective and so it's hard to actually draw out any meaningful distinctions? Wow. So, yeah. yeah. So, let me ask you some questions about yourself. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever got? So, I'll, you have some of those questions there. I'm not sure I have great answers for all that. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't really have one of those great lines where someone you know stuck with me. And I think the best advice, you know, in kind of legally doing stuff is the advice was look deeper, go deeper on, um, yeah. on issues. You know, it's, it's a, you know, in terms of law, cause that's where really where my brain is mm-hmm. and the, in this particular practice, it's that, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about this, it's, it's a really rich area for deep, you know, digging, you know, yeah. and that means it doesn't have to be an informant scandal. It's just on cases. It's like, you have to, uh, and I would, I'd say it's more advice from me than that has been given to me, but plenty of people have told me incredibly valuable stuff, but it's just, um, when you're a public defender, you can even get cynical about sure. series of facts where you think, oh, there's no chance. And I've been proven wrong my, myself in very powerful ways where oh, I think I'm a true blue public defender. And I, you know, uh, and I was convinced about certain things that were detrimental to my client and was wrong. So I think it's like, if you're going to go in this work, you got to, you got to balance between, you know, because you need judgment, you got to balance between some level of cynicism, but you have to realize that in all those wrongful conviction cases, you know, that where we know they were provably convicted wrongfully, 12 jurors were absolutely convinced otherwise, right? right? And it wasn't just the lack of DNA. It was the presentation of witnesses who said things powerfully. So, you know, even in that realm, I would say there's so much, there's so many easy ways to wrongful convictions. There are witnesses who um, sound powerful, who seem compelling. 
eyewitnesses who talk about events like they're real uh-huh. Uh-huh. when they're, you know, that can either be a, a belief that's incorrect or um, something that's been instilled by police who told them, boy, you're getting it right. Right. We have to like, we have to be thinking about all of those issues all of the time and then thinking about ways to explain it to jurors so that the counter's compelling. You can't just, as a lawyer, you can't just say, don't believe this. you got to explain right. the mentality. So I, I answer that question with a whole bunch of areas that I always focus yeah. on. But, <laughs> but that's like, you know, for the for the law students that are thinking out there, there's yes, lots, yes. lots of good work to be done. And there's, and you can be the one that, you know, you know, saves a life that otherwise wouldn't be saved or makes a difference in that course. But you've got to you got to be really committed to the craft and you have to be always working on that craft. Right. Right. What's a book you like to recommend to people? Yeah. To that question. Let me tell you my answer to that. I don't. And I'll, I'll tell you why it's because it's not that I don't you know, read a book occasionally, but very little, because for me, if you do this stuff, it's like, I can't, I can't justify taking my head out of this for very long. Uh-huh. It just doesn't work with my brain. I'll read stories. I'll read magazines. I'll do stuff. But for me, like the concept, and some people need it. It's almost like their meditative process. But for me, I'm like, I don't have enough time in the day ever. Mm -hmm. I never have enough time. I'm always, I'm working on this stuff. I love working on this stuff. And I feel like I'm being disloyal to clients when I'm and, and this effort when I'm like sitting there and reading for three hours when I still haven't finished this motion, which I got. Right. Do. Right. So there's so I, much reading and writing. Yeah, there's so much reading and writing and thinking. And, you know, and it's not like, you know, that's you got to be careful for health that you're you're doing it. But for me, more reading isn't really a great right. source of pleasure because I'm reading and reading and reading and digesting and talking sure. to other people about their cases. Yeah, absolutely. So is there a hopeful message you can share? Well, I think all of this is hopeful. I mean, for me, I think this whole, I mean, the whole career of a public defender is hopefulness. Mm. And this has been a very hopeful, it's not, I never thought like, oh my God, when this happened, everybody would give a big apology and say, geez, we've blown this. That's yeah. not, you know, the mission is just to, just is just to kind of keep digging and keep getting keep gaining ground, even if you lose it the next day. So it's just, it's, I mean, to me, it's, I think what we've accomplished here in Orange County is monumental and, you know, and it's not everything we want and we never going to get everything. Sure, we want. And sure. there's going to be backsliding. There's going to be all of it, but you know, since you're talking to a public defender, I mean, I just think for those people who are thinking about that work, it's, I can't imagine better, more fulfilling work, whether this stuff had happened with me or not, personally, it really doesn't matter. I was fully fulfilled before Mm -hmm. this happened. You know, every day you're in there fighting against folks that need to be fought against. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean the other people can't be right on issues and these things, but you have to have this, you have to have this back and forth and you have to be developing lawyers that are kind of thinking that way. And that's, you know, so it's, to me, this is incredibly exciting work every single day. I love doing it. Yeah, I love doing it, and so yeah, we're we're we've made ground. We've illu- we've illuminated stuff that went on and illuminated. Absolutely. We're still doing Absolutely. it, and so it's it well well beyond my dreams personally. I never mm-hmm. thought. And by the way, this has my been my personality, my whole career. I like digging stuff. It, sure, it, most of it just sure. wasn't didn't get this kind of attention. But 
I think if you're digging and you're working and you're providing good service, it's like, this is hopefulness. And look, all, all over the place, by the way, we've seen it. We've changed, seen reforms in law. We've seen some of the reforms in the last several years have been incredible. They have. They have. They've been incredible. No one would have ever predicted this. I, that, I'm certainly taking no credit for that. I'm just saying there has been a movement here that's brought some fairness if, after right. decades of just, you know, all punishment all the time. Right. So yeah. all of these things happening from what happened in Minnesota to, you know, wrongful convictions in other places. And that's what that's how did we get to that spot? All of this. It all played a role mm-hmm. little by little. And it's yeah. changed. I mean, we have cases coming back and folks getting second chances through through all sorts of legislation. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great time to be involved right now. Uh, yeah, I think that's that that's really true. That that there there are discussions happening that that I never would have imagined. Yeah, um, happening just a couple well, of decades ago. Yeah, I mean, in law reforms, I mean, you have people coming yeah. back, for example, on homicides who were prosecuted for having not having the intent to kill, but this natural and probable consequence. You know, right. all these folks locked up because they were there. And they should have understood the consequences of this could be that, but they lack the intent to kill. From my perspective, okay, you got 20 years in, maybe it's time for a second shot and, and this is happening. And there's this, there's many other things. You're talking about the Racial Justice Act, the reform stuff to look at these and, you know, uh, look at these issues and bring some fairness in this regard. It's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. And, right, it, right. and you may not see it, but on the ground, in the courtrooms, it's completely changed the practice of law. That's amazing. That's yeah, great. It's, it's an incredible time. Yeah. So who should we talk to next? Who's in our community that I might not know about? Oh, that you don't know about, you know, you, so I, I, I'm, I'm like, um, I'm, I'm someone who's just public defender center. So, you know, like, you know, there's great lawyers around me, like Sarah Ross, who did the Wilkins case and who is co-counsel with me on Decry. Um, there's outside of that, I, I think, some of these reporters that have done a great job of yeah. you know, covering, you know, stuff are, are great people to talk to. Um, and yeah, I know you talked to some of them, but, yeah. um, and of course I always want to hear from what the other side has to say about it. So sure. I would say the most sure. important, if, you know, in probing questions is if you could get, you know, one of these folks who you just talked about, whether it's a judicial candidate or the district attorney to talk about this, yeah. and, you know, what's yeah. and, and explain why, why with these some of these issues still pending what should we look to 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 view change as coming soon or being yeah. way so i mean of course i always want to hear from the people who are typically viewed as being our opponents yeah yeah i love it well thank you thank you so much i really appreciate this sure thanks for inviting me So I realized that we don't ever acknowledge our uh, incredible production team. So I want to add this to the end. Thank you for listening to A Slice of Orange. I'm Jody Balma. I want to thank our executive producer, Ann Watkett, and our editors and producers, Alexandria Kim and Cindy Gimple. This podcast would not be possible without them. So thanks to them. Stop.